Good evening, everyone. How's everybody doing on this Wednesday? I was just thinking today when I was sitting at work and I was thinking how, how awesome it is that we're able to come here on a Wednesday evening and be together and worship the Lord together. Um, I think it definitely helps me. I know it helps me in my whole week to come here on a Wednesday night and hear some awesome praise and worship and just be able to be with the Lord and be with each other. So, <clears throat> so there was this young teenage boy that had just gotten his driver's license. And when he got home, he asked his father, who happens to be a pastor, if they could discuss the use of the car. And so his father took him into the study and said, son, I'll make you a deal. If you bring up your grades, study your Bible a little, and get a haircut, then we'll talk about the use of the car. So about a month went by, and the son came back and he asked the father the same question about the use of the car. They again went into the father's study where the father said, son, I've been so very, very proud of you. You've brought up your grades. You've studied your Bible. I see you reading it all the time, but you didn't get a haircut. So then the young man waited a moment and he replied to his dad. He said, dad, you know, I've been thinking about this long and hard. And I've been reading my Bible. And you know, Samson had long hair. And Moses had long hair. And Noah had long hair. And even Jesus had long hair. Knowing where this discussion was going, the father interrupted his son and he said, Yes, son. And they walked everywhere they went. <laughs> now, I can definitely relate to this story now because... We have a 17-year-old son who's now at a driving age, and there's no doubt that he's going to be asking me to use the car. Matter of fact, my 17-year-old and my 12-year-old, who don't normally get along all the time, my 12-year-old came up to me the other day and she said, Dad, you really need to get Daniel a car so he can drive me and him to school. And I, saw, I knew there was something going on there. But I also can relate to this because being a young man myself, Many years ago, I had long hair and I went through that whole thing of my dad telling me to get a haircut. And I kind of used something like that on him as well. But I don't want us to miss the point of this story. You see, the father here is helping his son grow in faith. He wanted him to study hard in school, to get good grades, because he knows that doing well in school will help him later on in life. But he also knew that his son didn't only need the knowledge that school would provide him, but his son also needed spiritual nutrition because that was very important because it's very important for his son to know the Word of God. And then his, son also, his father also wanted his son to get a haircut so he looked good. He was looking into his future and the future jobs that he may have. And so the son, as we see did almost everything that the father asked him to do. But he still had more growing to do. It's kind of like our Christian life. I think that no matter where we are in life, we're always going to have more growing to do in our faith. The Christian life is based on faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. 
It is by faith in Jesus Christ that a person is saved and made right with God. And it's how we attain undeserved privilege of our heavenly inheritance. And the Bible teaches us that a person that is in Christ has to continue in and to grow in faith until the last day. You see, faith is not just a one-time activity that we as believers do. It's a continuous, progressive aspect of our daily Christian life. So we always have more growing to do. And it's expected of us in Scripture. If we can all stand for the Word of God as we read out of 2 Peter 1, 3 through 7. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this reason, Make every effort to supplement, grow your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. You may be seated. I was reading a story of a late pastor named Ray Stedman, and he told a story about how he talked to this little boy, um, and he said to the little boy, how old are you? And the little boy very quickly said, I'm 12, going on 13, and almost 14. <laughs> See, that little boy was eager to grow up. And most Christians want to grow in the Lord, especially when they're new to the faith. But sometimes it seems that as time goes on, the enthusiasm to grow kind of begins to fade and sometimes we become lax spiritually and we get into kind of like a humdrum routine. And we kind of lose that eagerness that that little boy had when he was asked how old he was and he just rattled that off. We have to continue to hold on to that eagerness that that little boy had when he was asked how old he was. We have to continue to have that enthusiasm for our faith. Because we might become like an old farmer that I read about in Our Daily Bread, who often described his Christian experience by saying, well, I'm making progress, but I'm established. One spring when the farmer was hauling some logs, his wagon wheels sank down in the axles in the mud. And as he sat there viewing this horrible situation he was in, one of his neighbors who's always felt uncomfortable with the neighbor's worn out testimony came by. And he called out to the farmer, hey, Brother Jones, I see you're not making much progress there, but you must be content. You must be well established there. It was basically his way of saying to the farmer, you're stuck. 
just as the farmer was stuck in that mud, it's not a good thing to be spiritually stuck. Because as we can see, the farmer ended up in a horrible place. And when you're spiritually stuck, and when we get spiritually stuck, we kind of get in that horrible place as well. And so I'm telling you right now that if you're stuck spiritually, God wants you to grow. Even if you've been a Christian for many, many years, we should always strive to continue to grow in our faith and grow in godliness until you're perfectly like Jesus. And that's not going to happen until we see him. So we all have room to grow still. So what are some of the ways that we can grow in our faith? I think first and foremost, we must put our trust in Jesus Christ and in his promises. If we look back at 2 Peter 1, 3 through 5, we see that Peter begins in verse 5 saying, now for this very reason also. And what that does is it takes us back to verses 3 and 4 where Peter told us, that when we believed in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, God also granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now for this very reason also, grow in your faith. You see, the point is, is that you cannot grow in your faith as a Christian until you've received new life from God through faith in Jesus Christ. It is the life of Christ in you that gives you the motivation and the power to change and grow spiritually. The instant you choose, you put your trust in Christ, God graciously gives you the key to the unfathomable riches of Christ, which supplies you with everything you need for life and godliness. In Ephesians 3, 8, it says, To me, this is Paul writing, to me, the very least of all sinners, of all saints, sorry, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. Paul is saying he's the very least of people to be doing this. And it's all because of God that he's able to preach the riches of Christ. So as we continue in the list of qualities that follow in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7, some people say that it lists eight virtues with faith being the first. But we should really look at it as Peter does not tell us to supply faith as he does with the other things on the list. Rather, he says, in your faith, supply moral excellence. So he's assuming that faith is the foundation on which all those other virtues rest and from which they grow. So we receive faith in Christ as God's gift. Each one of us is given this gift from God. 
But then we supply the other qualities, which are the fruit of faith that we see in verse 8. So to grow in your faith, make sure that you've trusted in Jesus Christ and his gracious promises. Faith is the essential foundation for growing in godliness. Another way that we're able to grow in our faith is by feeding our faith. And so how do we feed our faith? We can feed our faith by reading our Bible daily. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written, for then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. I read a quote from John Piper, and he wrote, Faith feeds on the word of God. Without a steady diet, it gets weaker and weaker. If you're dissatisfied with your Christian courage and joy and purity of heart, check the way you are feeding your faith. I think that's a great quote. I found that I, when I start my day out reading the Bible, it helps me get through the day no matter what comes. I've also found that when I start my day reading the Bible, I'm able to set my mind on Christ and I'm able to keep it, my mind on him all day long and that will guide me throughout my day in all my thoughts and in all of my actions. I mean, imagine going day after day after day without eating anything. Then imagine going a week without eating anything. And then a month. And then several months. And so on and so on. And as time goes on, you become weaker and weaker. Our bodies need nourishment to live. And it's the same way with our spiritual lives. We need that spiritual nutrition that we get daily. And that's why we need to stay in the Word of God. God's Word is a source of life. It contains infinite help and wisdom. And when we read it, and we study it, and we obey it, we'll see ourselves growing in our faith. We should also exercise our faith. In James 1.22 it says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. So we can't just be listening to God's word. We have to do what it says in his word. And we can exercise our faith by our actions. You know, it is important for us to hear God's word and what it says. But then we're also to meditate on it. And it's important that we not only hear his word, but that we obey it 
and we live it and that we do what it says. Otherwise, we're only fooling ourselves. I like to think of faith being kind of like a muscle. If it's not used, it's going to waste away and gradually decline in its effectiveness. I mean, think about it. How many of you out here have broken a bone in life or you had to have a cast on for something or you couldn't use a muscle or a body part for an extended period of time? And then when you begin to use that muscle again, it takes time for you, us to get it back into shape. It becomes weak and we're not able to use it as, as much as we used to. We have to do physical therapy sometimes. And that's how our faith is. We have to continually use it daily. We have to continually feed it daily. And when we don't exercise it regularly, it becomes wasteful and it doesn't become effective anymore. I remember I broke my ankle a while ago and I had a cast on it. And when they took the cast off, it took me a long time to do physical therapy I couldn't just get up and just start running on it again or, or even walking sometimes. It took months of physical therapy to get my ankle back to the strength that it was before and to get it to be effective like it was before. So it was a gradual process. And our faith is like that. When we exercise it daily, it becomes stronger and stronger. Faith must be an action Otherwise, it's going to be inactive. And so we should strive in our daily lives to live out our faith in all that we do. Another way that our faith can grow is by sharing our faith with others. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. I think that many Christians think that their faith is just a personal matter and that they should just keep it to themselves. And even though that faith our faith is very personal to all of us. It's not a secret faith. We don't keep it secret or hidden. And there's a difference between it just being personal and secret and it being personal and public. Because our faith is personal, but it's also public. By keeping it to ourselves, it's hard for us to grow in our faith. But then as First um, Peter says, that we should always be prepared to give a defense to anyone who asks us for the reason, for the hope that is in you. So we should always have an answer and we should always share our faith with others. But then read what it says at the end here. Do it with gentleness and respect. So we shouldn't be obnoxious about our faith. We shouldn't be obnoxious or we shouldn't be, we should be gentle and respectful when we share our faith with others and be able to talk about it. 
Give your testimony. Tell them where the Lord has brought you. And we should always be ready to give that answer for what we believe because we do have a hope in Christ. And we should want others to see the hope that we have in Christ and that hope that is in us and in our lives. You know, we should want to be able to tell others what Christ has done in us and for us. Because I think when we do that, when we start telling others about our faith and we become real to them and we talk about where we are in our faith and where we were, I think that helps a lot of other people grow in their faith. But then that also helps us grow in our faith. Because we want to be able to give people the answers to why we believe what we believe. The other day, my daughter Megan got an iPod. And she was so excited about this iPod. She wanted everybody to know that she got this iPod. You see, getting that iPod was very personal to her because now it's hers. This is mine. But she didn't keep it secret. If you would have walked down our street, you would have heard her say, hey, look at the iPod I got. Let me show you how it works. You see, because that was personal to her, but it wasn't secret. She wanted to let everybody know that she has this iPod. And so we need to always have that excitement of our faith when we share it with others. We have to have that excitement always. We have to have that excitement to where we want to tell every single person that we meet about Jesus. We want to be in that place where we go bananas for Jesus. With everyone we meet. And we want to tell everyone of the living hope that we have because we have a personal relationship with a living Savior, Jesus Christ. And by sharing the gift of faith, which has been given to us, will help others grow in faith. And as I said, when we do that, we can grow in our own faith. Another way which goes with your Bible reading is to pray. And I think I put that in big capital letters, pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, never stop praying. Or some say, pray without ceasing. And I think that sometimes Paul's command to pray without ceasing is misunderstood. I know when I first read that in the Bible, the very first thing I thought of was, is he telling me I have to pray every single moment of my day? And then I started thinking of those pictures of those monks walking with their hands folded and down praying. I kind of thought of that. I don't know if anybody else has, but that's what I thought of. When it says to pray without ceasing, never stop praying. But what Paul is saying here is that we should always have a prayerful attitude and have total 
in complete dependence on God. Every waking moment, we as passionate followers of Christ should live in complete awareness of God and that he is with us all the time. He's involved in every single aspect of our life and is engaged in all of our thoughts and in all of our deeds. And when we remember this, we're able to grow in our faith. I like to think of prayer being like breathing. You know, if you think about it, we don't have to stop and think to breathe. I don't just stop and say, okay, breathe now. Okay, breathe now. We don't do that. We just do it. We breathe. And when we grow in our faith, prayer becomes like that. It becomes like breathing. It's like all of a sudden, we don't have to think about praying. We just do it. And I've found this in my own life because my prayer life used to be almost non-existent. I mostly prayed at church and many times once in a while when I was facing some type of problem or if I thought about it, I would pray. But then I began praying like I breathe. And I began to not think about it. I just did it. And even still sometimes today, I mean, there's many times in my life that I get just caught up in a problem or a situation or something is going on. In my head, I always think of the worst thing in the world. This is going to kill us all. Or what, you know, you think about that. This is the worst thing in the world. And I forget to just stop and pray. And then when I do stuff like that, which I did recently, Christy will tell me, stop worrying about this and pray. And I think to myself, duh, yeah. <laughs> so then we begin to pray in every situation of our lives. When we start praying like we breathe, we start praying all the time. We pray when we're afraid. We pray when we're discouraged. We pray when we're angry. And we pray when we're happy. And when we're thankful. And then before you know it, when you're praying, it becomes worship. And we worship the Lord. So just like breathing is essential to us living, prayer is essential to living the Christian life. And that, I believe, along with reading and studying the Bible, is the most important part of how, our, how we grow in our faith. And when we read the Bible, we get so many great examples of men and women of prayer. And it's through their lives that we can see that prayer is very important in the growing of our faith as Christians. I don't know about you guys, but Pastor's been going through this awesome series called Grit. I've really been enjoying it. I really enjoyed last Sunday's message, talking about Noah's faith. And just every week, I just, I can't wait to come and hear more. And one of the men 
in the Bible that I love to read about who had a tremendous prayer life that helped him develop and grow in his faith was Daniel. If you remember, Daniel was taken captive by the Babylonians as a teenager. And he survived a 70-year exile because he knew how to pray. Early in his experience as a prisoner, Daniel's aim in his heart was that he would not defile himself. And God honored him for that content commitment and brought him to a place of prominence in the Babylonian Empire. Later on, we read when his own life was threatened, he and his friends went to prayer to desire mercies of the God of heaven. And time and time again, God delivered them. But I think the greatest story of prayer in the life of Daniel occurred when he was in his 80s. He lived through the entire Babylonian captivity, and now Daniel was confronted by a new law passed by Darius the Mede, the new governor of Babylon, under the Medes and the Persians. And so Darius was tricked into passing this law for 30 days that no one could pray to anyone else but him. And so because of this new law, Darius's advisors, they were hoping to get Daniel in trouble because of this, because they knew that Daniel prayed regularly three times a day. And they knew that he was open about his prayer to his God. And so Daniel refused to obey the new law and he continued praying with his windows open. He didn't have his faith secret. It was personal, but it wasn't a secret to him. I can imagine him standing in the window doing what he did all the time, knowing that there's a law against this and just praising and praying to God. Of course, this led to him being thrown into the den of lions and also to his miraculous deliverance. But the story ends with the words, so this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius. How cool is that? That is awesome. Daniel prospered during that reign because of his prayer life and because he was faithful. So Daniel was a man of faith and his faith grew because he was faithful in his prayer life. Another man of faith is David. David the shepherd boy who was destined to become the king of Israel and he was called a man after God's own heart because he was a man of prayer. The many psalms he wrote are an expression of the prayers of his heart. In them he prays for guidance, deliverance, protection, and wisdom. His prayers exalt the praise of God. In Psalm 104.1 it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. They express thanksgiving. In Psalm 105.1, it says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. 
Psalm 119 is filled with requests. Teach me, give me, make me, remember me, help me. Many of David's prayers grew out of the experiences of his own life. His persecution by Saul, his sinful failure, the rebellion of his son Absalom. And what we see in each of the crises of his life is that he drew nearer to God than he did ever before. And out of the depth of his need came some of the greatest prayers ever recorded in Scripture. Psalm 31 says, I will exalt thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, as Psalm 32, 5, 7 says. Have mercy upon me, O God. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I love reading the Psalms. And I talked about that in the uh, sermon on devotions, that Psalms are one of the, the best to read in your devotions. And prayer is something that we all can and should do throughout the day, no matter if our day is going good or bad. No matter how our day is going, prayer should be something that we always do. Because prayer will bring us to new heights in our relationship with the Lord. I don't know about you, but when I'm having a bad day, I sit down and I pray about it. And as we see in the Bible and in our everyday life, prayer has enabled ordinary people to become extraordinary saints of God. And when we trust in Christ as our Savior, we're born again spiritually into the family of God. One thing that I know is that when we read our Bible, we see so many times that it compares faith that we have as a child or as an infant. Imagine you're viewing a movie of a newborn child and you get to watch as the baby's delivered and it's exciting times. You see the child being nurtured and coddled and then the film progresses and you get to see this baby get cuter and cuter with each day. The mom, of course, buys cute outfits and little bows and rattles and toys. And then there's scenes of the child as it begins to crawl. And the baby stumbles a little bit and can't get quite on all four limbs working together. But soon enough, after a little more, we view, we see the baby begin to finally crawl. And this child is developing normally. And you watch as this child's life unfolds and development and growth become more pronounced. And so we know that infants need nourishing milk in order to grow and become healthy and have good development. And just as when we trust in Christ as our Savior, we become like little infants and we need spiritual food for our growth and in our faith. And in 1 Peter 2, 2, and 3, it says, Like newborn infants, long for the pure of spiritual milk, 
that by it you may grow up into salvation. If needed, you have tasted that the Lord is good. So we, as passionate followers of Christ, yearn to grow in our faith. And so Peter here is not saying that all of his readers were recent converts to the faith. Just as most of us here tonight haven't recently come to the faith. But we should, no matter where we are in our faith life, have a desire for continued growth in our faith. And it should be like that of a newborn infant. And so as the infant grows, we should also. And we also know that as a baby grows, it begins to not only drink milk, but then it also begins to eat solid food. And so as we mature in our faith and have a healthy diet that consists of prayer and reading and studying the Word of God, we will see our faith grow and we'll be able to see real maturity in our walk with the Lord. And so I put on here four for, uh, points for your growth work. And the first thing is, is that just continue to read your Bible daily and continue to pray daily. In Luke 8, 11, Jesus compared God's word to a seed. When he was talking about a parable, he said, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. And a seed doesn't just start to grow until it's planted. You can't just throw seeds all over the place. You have to plant them and nurture them and water them. And when we trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, a seed was planted. And every single time we open up and read the Bible and study our Bible, and when we pray daily, that seed is fertilized. And so this is why it's very important for us to set aside time daily and just immerse ourselves with God's word and immerse ourselves in prayer. We should also have fellowship with other believers. Acts 2.42 says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So they not only devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles, but they also gathered for fellowship. Because God doesn't want us to be isolated from other believers. We need each other to help each other grow in faith. And when we isolate ourselves from other believers, it helps us become very weak in our spiritual lives. And we need other believers to pray with. And we need other believers to study the Word of God with and to do life with. We need each other. And when we stay in fellowship with other believers and we build relationships with them, those relationships can last a lifetime. The third thing is to read. And this is one thing that I did not do for the longest time. I think I went 20 years without really reading anything except for maybe the Bible. <laughs> but several years ago, I went back to school to get my theology and biblical studies degree. And so I had to start reading books again. And I also have a great love for Christian apologetics and defending the Christian faith. And so I found out there's more books to be read. And I went from never reading 
to reading all the time. And the funny thing is, I found out that I actually enjoy it. You should see my office. I have books everywhere. I had to start bringing them home, and Christy loves that. <laughs> and sometimes when I look at these books in my office, I think to myself, how am I going to read all of these books? But now I found out that when I read my Bible daily, and then I get one of the good books on my shelf, and I can read about theology or Christian living or a devotion, I found out that that has helped me grow in my faith tremendously. And I know that we all have busy schedules, but I want to encourage you all to get a good biblically-based book and just sit down and read it. Not only will you find that it's relaxing, but it's also going to help you grow in your faith. The fourth and final thing is to step up and go. Our faith will continue to grow when we decide that we're going to trust and obey God. And when we step up to the plate and go wherever God leads us. When I was young, I played baseball. I wasn't very good at it, but I played baseball. And there was this one time, and I will never forget this. I was afraid because I got hit by a pitch. And remember, I, the reason I remember it so well is because it was like it was yesterday. It was a very cold day. And I remember being in that batter's box. And it was a left-handed pitcher. Told you I remembered it. Left-handed pitcher. And I was sitting in that batter's box. And the pitcher threw the pitch. And it was a wild pitch. And it hit me right here. And it hurt. Because it was cold. And that ball was even harder than it was. But it wasn't until I was able to trust that I stayed in that batter's box and I kept my eye on that baseball. That way, if another wild pitch came, I'd be able to back up and not get hit again. We need to step up in that batter's box and stand firm in our faith and trust in and keep our eyes on God and have faith that he will be with us just as he promises us no matter what comes our way. Amen. Lord God, I just thank you for this time that we have today and just gathering here together in this, the middle of the week here for fellowship and studying of your word, Father. I just pray that you'll continue to help us all continue to focus on you so that our faith can continue to grow. I pray that if there's anyone here tonight, Lord, who feels that they're not growing in their faith, I just pray that you'll strengthen them and that you'll touch them and that they'll have renewed faith in you and they'll be refreshed so that they can continue to grow. I pray for any of those tonight that's, that are feeling overwhelmed. I just pray that we will just become overwhelmed with your peace, Lord. And I pray for all those in our church that we've been praying for, those that are sick, those that need a healing touch from you, Lord. I continue to pray for those. 
pray for everybody here tonight, Lord, that, that we'll go out and, and be safe going home. And I pray, Lord, for our country and our president and all of our leaders, Lord. Just pray that you'll guide them in all that they do and that they will seek you, Lord, in all their decisions. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.